Hello, and welcome to the Wanderings Podcast, a photographer's exploration of art, science, and world culture. I am your host, Pedro Bonato, a fine art and advertising photographer based in Toronto, Canada. In this show, I talk to artists, designers, scientists, filmmakers, authors, entrepreneurs, people who are creating inspiring work in a variety of fields. I have been working as a professional photographer and as a musician for a few years, and I am often inspired by history, science, mythology, and popular culture in the photographs that I create. In this podcast, I try to go a little bit deeper in the stories that inspire me, and I hope will inspire you too. On today's episode, we explore the reimagined worlds made possible by computer-generated images, also known as CGI, that are becoming ever more present all around us, from movies to advertising to art. My guest is Brad Picard, a post-production and CGI artist whose work blends realistic elements created in a computer with photography. Brad's work is wide-ranging and includes automotive, environments, creatures, character development, typography, liquids, animals, you name it. We talked about how the technology changed over the years and his journey as an artist. We talked about the cutting edge of the field, including artificial intelligence and virtual reality. I really like Brad's attention to detail in his works and his way of collaborating with photographers to create images and sometimes whole worlds, which would be impossible even a few years ago. We recorded this at my home studio in Toronto and it was a really cool conversation. Two guys talking about art and technology over beer. So I hope you'll enjoy it and join us. So here's my conversation with Brad Picard. Again, thank you for, for coming. So, no, not a problem. First thing, cheers. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cool. So, Brad, welcome to the Wanderings podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. And the um, it's cool. Uh, like just for our listeners, since it's an audio podcast, we are uh, recording with nice beer that uh, Brad brought to us. <laughs> so hopefully, we'll I will not make a fool of myself. <laughs> so. I just got to to my place here uh, in Toronto, and then uh, we started talking a little bit about that. He listened to Mike Deodato's uh, interview in the podcast before. It's like, if you haven't heard, you should go listen. He's like a great comic book artist. And then uh, we're talking about the fact that you actually used to draw, right? So draw and paint. So can you tell a little bit about your um, yeah. like your background in that uh, area? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I used to draw and everything ever since I was a little kid, um, and then. A uh, few, few years back, I kind of stopped just because I kind of, you know, just focused more on the CG aspect of things. But I, I do kind of miss it, just the tactileness of it all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it feels there's something that is lacking, uh, you know, working on a computer. It's just not as hands on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, and then uh, so you did you studied like drawing like in school or you yeah, so I, just for yourself? Yeah, I took a program called Digital Media Arts, and it was uh, it was illustration and computer animation, and a little bit of like web design and Photoshop, like a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, actually, one my illustration teacher drew for Image Comics. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I didn't realize that until halfway through like the semester, I was pretty blown away. He oh, showed wow. me some like actual 
um, you know, drawings from the pages and everything. Right, yeah, and uh, Image Comics is like they revolutionized the way comic books and yeah. uh, graphic novels are are, are done. And um, so that, where did you study that again? Uh, Seneca College. Uh, Seneca, okay, yeah. cool. All right. Yeah. And then uh, after that, you went into, like, more into CGI, right? Oh, I kind of got out of CGI for a while. Um, I think I graduated back in like uh, 2000 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the realism wasn't quite there yet. And I kind of wanted to go with like create more still imagery. And uh, so, so I got out of it for a few years. And then I jumped back in when that realism was really starting to get, you know, easier to uh, uh -huh. achieve. Yeah, cool. And uh, like, so like, let's get into that. So I got I got you in the podcast because I'm really impressed, like, by all the work you do in uh, in CGI and how I like the fact that you combine the CGI elements with uh, photography for for clients. So can you tell a little bit about like for the people that eventually are listening in the podcast? We have a wide range of like people that will listen. Can you tell a little bit what CGI is and how it's applied? Like how how you use it. Yeah, it's basically like, you know, like modeling and, and sculpting within like a, you know, 3D program. There's texturing and lighting and everything. I work with like either photographers or I'm hired directly by agencies. And, uh, you know, it really ranges. Uh, some things are entire, entirely done in CG now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I'm working with a photographer, sometimes I'll go to set and I'll see their lighting set up. Mm -hmm. So you can match it pretty good in CG. Mm -hmm. Lighting has come a long way, even in the last six months. I mean, oh really? It's crazy. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, like um, so. You would say that there are like three components to CGI, like the sculpting and the making the object, then putting like texture on it, and exactly, then yeah. lighting the object. Would that be like a fair assessment, or is there like more to more steps to what you are? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, uh, uh, it's all about composition too. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of photography, like, you know, focal lengths and everything like that transfer over to CG as well. Oh, I see. You mm -hmm. know, especially when, when I'm com combining uh, photography and, and CG, you definitely have to make sure you get your lensing right. Right. I mean, that's, uh, that's one of the things with like, you know, I've seen it done badly, mm -hmm. and usually it's like right, right off the bat, it's the lensing that they get wrong. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see, because then the your eye can always catch the, sure. the proportions, right, or the yeah. angle that you are doing, or some some like lens effects that uh, exactly. that if you are like focusing, sometimes the three D object gets too much in focus. Right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Definitely. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I know, like, I remember you did a very cool, like, series with the photographer uh, recently that I saw on your Instagram. And you'll have links in show notes for, for people to, to see uh, your work. And I remember it was also like there is this element of realism. And at the same time, there's this element of like larger than life things. It's like a bunch of like zombies or like dead bodies or something. So um, how do you feel like uh, about having the realism aspect of it apply to say surreal or larger than life things? Like how do you, how do you approach sure. that? Well, yeah, I think you're talking about that. Uh, it's, um, it's an image I did with Matt Barnes mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, he basically photographed uh this guy is St. Michael with a giant sword. And uh, basically there's, you know, a whole bunch of, yeah, I think he had 30 naked people in the, mm -hmm. in the studio and like posing as like demons, like, uh, you know, kind of 
clamoring their way up towards St. Michael. And uh, yeah, he gave me a call and he was saying like, you know, can you build me hell and some giant angel wings? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, <laughs> sure. You know? you know, with that particular image, you, you kind of, you know, you're, you're making up hell. Nobody's ever seen hell. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably where you're getting, you know, that, uh, you know, yeah, it's, looks real but it's mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah it's like of course no one <laughs> yeah. saw it or may not exist sure, but, it, yeah. but it's still you need to convey it in a way that is that looks real right that Absolutely. Is, uh, yeah. yeah that's cool yeah, sure. yeah and then uh so you work basically mainly with um like commercial clients with advertising or how does that uh what's the bulk of the work you do today yeah so uh you know, I, like I said earlier, like I either work uh, directly with photo- photographers. If, I mean, if they can't, you know, if they don't have a budget to like, you know, have like a, a massive um, piece built or, uh, you know, sometimes it just makes sense to do an element in CG and uh, add it to their photography. And sometimes I'm hired directly by ad agencies just to do mm-hmm. everything just full CG. Yeah, like I assume this would be like more like product shots, uh, like uh, cars or refrigerators or things yeah. like that. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's some of the things that I never thought were going to be CG are starting to be CG. I mean, you're seeing mm. a lot of like uh, like food nowadays that's pretty realistic. Oh. Um, it's kind of a... Uh, you know, like even two years ago, I would have said like, you know, food will never be done in the CG, but people are, you know, 3D scanning food. And if you get your materials and textures right, you can oh. make it look appetizing, which is what you want with the food <laughs> ad, right? Yeah, and probably much easier than, uh, I've never had to photograph food for my, my work, but I've seen some tutorials and some photographers talking about photographing food and the... Uh, the tricks they have are insane. Like it's, uh, I wouldn't, I don't oh, know. It's yeah. not my thing, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's uh, very hard to make them appetizing, right? And uh, oh, especially sure. digitally, that's interesting. Yeah, I used to work at a photo studio, and I seen some like tricks before, like uh, you know, with a cereal ad, you know, that the milk would instantly make uh, the cereal all soggy within like minutes, right? Uh-huh. And uh, so they would actually use like Elmer's glue like white glue oh. and then it'll just stay mm-hmm. it'll stay in place it'll always look nice and white and <laughs> <laughs> yeah you never know that that's why whenever you go to some fast food chain sometimes you see like this beautiful photograph of uh, a hamburger sure. and then whatever you get it's like this is photoshop like this is uh not not quite there for yet. sure yeah. well, another one i heard was uh, motor oil on pancakes Oh, wow. <laughs> because apparently it doesn't soak in and you just oh. have more time to shoot right yeah <laughs> yeah now now with the cg then i guess it's like infinite time right and then so you work mainly i know cgi like uh, well we all see it all the time like as like the re- general audience like in movies and everything like basically half or more of what you see on screen is done on a computer right so do you work mainly with uh, like more still imagery for uh, or do you work uh, with um, the more animation like a cinematic aspect of it too or what's your where do you work i guess like the stills you know can be viewed as almost cinematic in a way oh yeah for sure like i am getting in more and more into like animation uh 
there is like one program that I've been working with recently called Clarice, mm-hmm. and it's uh, basically like a scene builder. And they used it in Star Wars and a few other movies. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, it's just I don't know what kind of uh, you know black magic they use for it, but it's just. Uh, you can just basically throw like as many polygons as you want at it and the thing just does not bog down it doesn't break a sweat oh wow yeah Clarice is the name Clarice oh, yeah. I haven't heard of that so in terms of like uh, just to talk about your like toolkit right you use uh, can you talk a little bit this is a bit more geeky than um, what but it's interesting for even for people that want to get into this kind of thing what kind of software do you is used for uh, for creating uh, CGI yeah. elements oh well, I mean there's a whole bunch of different packages out there and everybody has their their favorite and there's there's a few out there that do thing some things better the my main one that I really love is moto mm-hmm. and uh, and then I just bring everything into like Photoshop or after effects mm-hmm. after that oh so you you create the 3d object in the specific software and then you bring whatever like rendering of it I assume like or is well, the actual object that you bring yeah so like my main renderer is uh, everything is inside of Modo. That's where I like light texture render, mm-hmm. and uh, and sometimes you know I'll sculpt or something in a program that like ZBrush mm-hmm. and bring it into Modo. Modo is always the thing I bring in, bring my objects into and mm-hmm. output. Cool. All right. Yeah. So I'll render out uh, you know giant still images and bring them into Photoshop. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like already when you already have the the perspective and you already have like basically all the all the world has been built and then you bring it to Photoshop to blend with whatever photographic or other kinds of uh, elements you need to put on for the, sure. in the photo. Cool. All right. Yeah. And then uh, I know that there is one software that is for people that would be interested in like trying it out. That, that is, I think there is like an open source version of it. I think it's a... Uh, Blender is that the name? Yeah, of it? Blender's uh, is a good program too. Um, it's it's free, mm-hmm. so it actually has like quite a community behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, all these programs actually have they usually have a pretty good community behind it. That's why I like Moto so uh, so much as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Blender is like a it's not a bad one to get into mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, cause uh, like for people that would like to to give it a try, it's so funny mm-hmm. that literally, if you have a computer, you just go on a website to download it, and you can create three D like uh, elements, right? Yeah. And uh, how about? Cause I remember like referring to my conversation with uh, Mike uh, Deodato. Uh, he was saying that he uses a lot of um, Google warehouse uh, elements. That is the um, like on Google, they have this library of already made like 3D objects. Have you used it? Have you seen it? No, or, no? no I don't know that one. Uh-huh. No. Yeah, it's like what he was saying. It's that probably he, like a SketchUp type. Yeah, thing, yeah, right? it's a SketchUp. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's probably not as robust or as detailed as you usually need. For sure. But what he was saying is that he uses. If you need, like, you're saying, give you the example of like a machine gun. So he needs a machine gun from the I don't know like Second World War, so he goes there, he takes the object, he sees it, tur- rotates yeah, the object and see from the angle that he wants, and he basically like draws it like based on, on that. I was just wondering if there is like, oh, sure. if you use any kind of like library or if you create everything from from, from scratch. Yeah, like see, the, those models would just probably be too like uh, simplistic uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, for photorealism. 
but like you know i would if if an art director you know contacts me and they kind of they don't really have a layout and they want to like you know uh, have a pre-visualization of something sometimes i'll like download some really simple models and i'll just like throw them into a scene really roughly it's really a good way to uh you know you know, think just, about it. Yeah, just layout purposes, pretty uh-huh. much. Yeah. Uh huh. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, in, uh, in his case, he's probably like you know illustrating over top of it. Not yes. Like all the detail there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and he does all the. This is basically just for him to have like the proportion. Know exactly like, oh, this barrel goes here, or like this car from nineteen forties. Yeah. Instead of going after like a photo and trying to see the angle that he wants to to shoot at, he just pops it into yeah, for like sure. uh, Google Sketches just because he was talking about speed, right? So, uh, so in turn, like, and that uh, brings me to like a question about what's your process? So you get like the sketch or the idea from, let's say from an agency in that example, and then you start building the, the scene. Can you take us through the, through the process from like, oh, you get like the first sketch and, uh, to, the, to the final image? Like how does that, uh, how does that work? Yeah, usually they give me a, a layout, which is uh, usually just like a rough pencil drawing. Then I'll just start like blocking it out. I won't worry about textures or lighting or anything like that. I'll basically get their sketch like into the program, like as a backplate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll really start uh, tr- trying to match that as, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times our directors have like put a lot of thought into like their layout and everything and mm-hmm. composition right from the get go. and. Yeah. yeah, you have to execute what they, they want and then so you do that and then add like the final images if you're working with a photographer, like the final like, I mean, still image that the person shot and then trying to fix the like lighting and, uh, and blend colors and all that, uh, the other kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, um, cool. And then like if you, and how long does that process take? I know it will like, just like with photography, I know it will change. It will take between two hours to 40, 50, 60 hours. But like, what's a regular, uh, like time that it takes for you to do, uh, like, uh, one of these jobs from like start to finish? Yeah, it really varies. I'd say the first, the first like 80% of a job I always find goes pretty quick. And then the last like 20% is like, <laughs> takes the longest. I mean, it's like, you know, just perfecting it after that. Mm-hmm. Do you have an experience like what you, when you create stuff for yourself, it's like right now, I know you're very like busy with work, but when you create your own like portfolio images, are you collaborating with other like photographers to take the still images or is it something you do as well? Or uh, how does that work? Um, well, I've done a lot of collaborations with photographers before, but I'm kind of taking a little bit of a hiatus on that just yeah. because I have, uh, I have a lot of projects in my rolling around my head that I want to do myself. Of too. course. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, if it's like, a little photo element or something maybe i'll take it myself uh you know um the stuff i do in my free time is is more like almost entirely cg so, mm, okay yeah. yeah stuff like what oh i'm working on this like like uh you know half cyborg woman right now oh cool All <laughs> yeah right. and she's like uh she's made up of like 3d scan data mm-hmm. and and some some modeling as well okay cool yeah. so can you talk a little bit about that because that's something that is uh i I saw like one, two, three D sketch or something it's like the software from um, Autodesk that mm-hmm. you can scan things with your phone and then uh, it will do like the. Can you talk a little bit because I think people I know about that, but like it would be interesting to talk. So there is this software that basically 
uh, you take still photographs of it like around mm -hmm. them and uh, on like 3D space and it sort of like reconstruct that object in the 3D environment. Is that, uh, is yeah, that right? Yeah, it's like photogrammetry. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then they have like 3D scanners, which like fire like lasers essentially at the, at the object. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's becoming much more common. If you like photogrammetry doesn't quite have the, the amount of detail as uh, as you know an actual 3D scanner. I mean I forget the measurement, but it gets down to like microns or something oh, like wow. that. Uh, you know for the amount of detail. Uh huh. You know if you're scanning like a shoe or something like that. Oh, I see. Oh wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and that will I, I assume this kind of thing will probably bring. Even some kinds of photography, like obsolete, right? In a way, like especially product photography, the way that I see these things sometimes, even cars, you see like it's entirely CGI. Then uh, it's, uh, I don't know, like it's just something that I, I don't work on that field specifically with like objects, but it's something that it's like, oh wow, it will. I mean, photography in the traditional way of getting um, the object and lighting it, uh, how, do, sure. how, do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever going to go away. But things like cars, maybe, if if all see all the CAD data is already there, you know, what I mean, it's there when they design the vehicle. It just makes more sense to like bring it into a three D environment and do it that way. Yeah, and by by the CAD data that you're mentioning is just for people to know is the basically the blueprint to build the actual object in for the sure. real world. Yeah, right down to every nut and bolt. Right. Yeah. yeah, and then about that, have I've seen some people doing like based on 3D uh, objects. I've seen some people doing actual like 3d printing of objects like you can take like a photo and scan there's a company here in toronto that does and i think all over the world they're probably around they will scan you using this laser technology and they create a 3d representation of you and then they make you basically an action figure based on, yeah, uh, on you yeah, so sure. uh, is it something that you have uh, explored with your work or not yet? I, I, well i've used like 3d scans of people mm -hmm. uh, they 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 don't work uh, they need a lot of work Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of texture and material work uh, has to go into like a three D scan. It's not like you can just scan somebody and load it up into the program and it looks real. No, okay. um, mm -hmm. just because skin is such a, like a complex material. I mean, if like light kind of like bounces, kind of like inside of skin bounces around a bit, like there's subsurface, huh. you know, work going on there. So they, you know, people have spent like years trying to get a good, a nice looking skin material that like lights naturally. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, they've gotten some pretty good results. There's some pr really amazing like skin materials out there, uh -huh. subsurface scattering and all sorts oh. of controls. Oh, yeah. that's that's interesting because that's one thing that I wanted to to get into. That is, uh, I was reading, but that's more from a psychological point of view that people were saying the, how the you probably heard about this like the uncanny valley the idea that like whenever you get the more realistic a person specifically looks the more eerie and different and not really <laughs> yeah. real it yeah. gets. Like I remember in that movie, uh, Beowulf, that was all 3D scanned and uh, you have like Angelina yeah. Jolie as the devil woman based on this ancient uh, uh, myth. But then when you see the person, you have actually the acting of uh, Anthony Hopkins. But then there is something about the... Um, 
the movement that is so realistic that it becomes this, they call this uncanny valley. It's like, oh my God, like this is not uh, real. And then people discuss if it will ever get, I think it will get there to the point that it will be indistinguishable from, sure. from reality. But it's interesting that there's all these elements that people are discovering like this. I didn't know about this, like this like scattering of light inside the skin that makes even like glowing depending on how. For sure, cool. yeah. Yeah, like the... Uh, the 3D scan that I, I'm working on right now has probably about like 20 different materials. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's like a subsurface scattering. There's like, a, there's even like material layers for like the oil on the, on the skin and everything. So like, you know, the oil on your skin builds up in certain places and right. yeah, all that kind of like adds, adds uh, to the realism when you layer it all up. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. I haven't thought of that. And if it's not there, it just looks kind of plastic, you know? Right. So, yeah, that's that's one of the things that I remember even from, I don't know, like uh, Polar Express, then to Beowulf and then to all the stuff that people do today that they, even on that, the new uh, Tomb Raider movie, there is like a scene, I mean, I'm sure there was a bunch of scenes that they want to do all in one shot to show, the, to finish with the face of the actress. So it starts with really far away with which is obviously uh, like, not obviously, but it's certainly a, three, a 3D representation of the character going and rolling and rolling and rolling until it blends with the, the actual oh, yeah. person. Yeah, so cool. it's, uh, it's cool to do. Time out to, yeah. to get beer. Yeah. We'll cut this out, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about the, this conference that I went to to see like this virtual reality things and how elements get a bit like strange when you're interacting with them. Uh, can you talk a little bit about this, about like this future of like, like how like your kind of work will be basically the building block for, for virtual reality, right? Can you talk a little bit about your experience and your thoughts on uh, virtual reality? Um, virtual reality or AI? AI, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. yes. Let's talk first. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about virtual reality later, but like specifically AI. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I did go to that conference a little while ago when, you know, there's people there at the forefront of, of AI and I can't kind of, it's really cool what they're doing, but I can't kind of can't help but think like, do people really want it or do, are they just like, just trying to, to create it because like, you know, just to see if they can. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, some of it was like, you know, you hold up your iPad and there's like a, you know, a virtual like teller giving you your options and, you know, they're standing in the room as you like, I don't know. I don't know. They're at the point right now where they just don't really, you know, look realistic. Mm -hmm. But I wonder whether they, it would be even freakier if they look super realistic. Right. Or like, yeah. Yeah. Which is sort of like this, uh, where I was going at with this idea of like the virtual reality that is powered by this AI machine where you will always have this disconnect between reality and the actual, like this representation of reality, right? And the closer it gets to, to an actual like real thing, it gets, I don't know, unreal at the same time, right? Sure. As you can sort of tell. Yeah. Yeah. But like for like non-human things, I mean, like um, uh, augmented reality is, you know, they're doing some really cool stuff with that. I think I've seen like a test that Ikea is doing where you can just, you can hold up your, your iPad in your living room and test out different furniture in your house oh. and see what it looks like in that environment. Oh, cool. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically, for like the environment, it would look uh, interesting. But whenever you start getting into people, it's uh, there are certain <laughs> yeah, tells that. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> people are really good at picking up whether like you know something's fake or not when it comes to a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing. Like, how do you feel? Because the one thing that you mentioned, like you so you graduated in like two thousand or so, and then you've yeah. been work, you you had the hiatus, but like you actually worked on this for a while, and you're saying like, oh, before the realism of it was not really there yet, or not really possible, and now it is. Can you talk a little bit about how you feel like the industry has progressed over time in terms of uh, the for realism? Sure. Yeah, so when I got out of school, I, I worked for a photographer, and I worked for him for, for 13 years. Mm. And uh, I did, you know, uh, you know, a lot of retouching for him. Uh, he was, um, his name is Philip Rostron, and he mm -hmm. was uh, probably about the, one of the busiest photographers in the city as far as, like, conceptual work goes. So, yeah, I mean, the stuff I was creating in Photoshop and photography alone was pretty kind of crazy at the time. But... Um, yeah, you couldn't, uh, yeah, CG just wasn't there when I started working in that, uh, in the industry. But mm -hmm. yeah, slowly over time. But you find one thing that I noticed when I was uh, looking into like YouTube rat hole finding um, scenes from different movies from before, that they were like, when I saw, I don't know, like Superman 1 or 2 and him flying around, and it's like... <laughs> yeah. To me, when I remember watching that was amazing at the time. And some films, basically, they don't age well when you see them afterwards. Like, oh, wow. Do you think it's, it has to do both with, like, the technology of it? Or, like, maybe the aesthetic sense of uh, people have evolved over time? I don't know how you, how you feel about that. I don't know. I mean, well, technology has just gotten better. Some of those movies you just should just not go back and watch. <laughs> I remember that movie Anaconda. I used to oh. think the effects in that were really cool, and then I see it again like years later, and it's quite terrible. But right, but yeah, it was it was you know I mean they were doing the best they could, you know, yeah. in, in the time they were making the movies. So. Yeah, and then I guess even the ones that actually survived are the ones that either did the very stylized version like Tron right that it's like they're not trying to be realistic they're just trying to be aesthetically interesting or the ones they use puppetry right like you go back to the original Star Wars or or miniatures it's actually cool like uh, yeah. I, I actually still prefer that to all well, their to the thing yeah I think uh I think George Lucas got rid of all those like original shots, didn't they? Yeah. Like, yeah, he just replaced all those films. I remember my cousin had um, a tape with the original ones. I told him, like, dude, keep this because uh, I'm sure, it ha I mean, I'm sure someone scanned it and you can find the, or the original ones. But yeah, like it sort of lost when he added some playing around with the 3D elements. But when you get to movies like, I you know, I remember... One that I thought was very realistic, a lot of scenes, was uh, in Doctor Strange, I think it's the, the name, that they even created, a, like, whenever he's doing this ray things and these gestures, that uh, even though it's something that, of course, does not exist in the real world, but it looks like if that thing existed, it would actually interact uh, in that way. Is there some, any movie that you were particular, or like even other kinds of imagery that you were particularly like impressed with the way that they dealt with uh, creating CGI on? Uh... Yeah, well, I really want to see Ready Player One. Mm. That has like, you know, just crazy effects. 
you know, a lot of throwbacks to old video games and movies and everything. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Doctor Strange is a really good example. Definitely. Yeah, I can't really think of, like, anything. I always, like, wa- I, I always watch those movies and I always just try to figure out how they did every scene. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, yeah. <laughs> I probably trail off in movies sometimes because I'm not really thinking about the plot. <laughs> right, yeah, it's like, how did he do that? Yeah, like, it's with me. I went to see uh, Tomb Raider recently and I was basically entranced with the way that they did the photography. That it's like, oh, it's sort of backlit. She always has, like, sun on her face, but should they do, like, smooth... Uh, light on her face. I was like, oh, how did they do that? They mix this idea of like both contrasty on the edges and very smooth in the middle. And I was wondering, yeah, is that done in post or is that done in um, like the director of photography is actually doing that? So yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I can relate to like, yeah, it, it, uh, it doesn't ruin it, but you see it from a totally different, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'll be watching like a 3D animated, like, you know, cartoon or something like that with my son. And I'm like, I was thinking like, oh, they really nailed the leather on that guy's collar, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a, uh, and that's another thing to, to talk about, like, because in CGI, there's not only the very realistic one, there's also the cartoonish, for lack of a bad word for me right now, like a stylized, characterized version of uh, of cgi right so uh do you do work in that or you do more photorealistic yeah stuff? like that's actually th- this past week somebody asked me if i could if i could do that kind of look and um i didn't really have any any examples to like show them so i just like so i just i did a little guy driving a car mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it's kind of like you know uh, in that Pixar kind of world, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like oversized hands and oversized head and everything like that, and little, mm-hmm. you know, a, a toony looking car and everything it was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, and that's that's, sure. then that's the other thing. Uh, so they do. You mentioned like the hands and the and the head. This is sort of like a translation, even from regular animation times, right? So it's like the the CGI elements are sort of. Uh, Imitate, not imitating, but like following the tradition of of uh, of like traditional animation that was not yeah, trying sure. to be realistic, right? That was trying to be this get the essence of uh, of the things. It's uh, it's interesting that it has this bo- both the hyper real and the completely unreal one, but still like rooted in, in reality. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you get that with because I know you have like uh, two kids, and you get I assume to watch a lot <laughs> yeah. of a lot of cartoons and things. So do you get inspiration from that interaction? Oh yeah, for feel? sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll try and like turn on the news, and my son's like, "We always watch the news." I'm like, "No, we only we always watch Pokemon. It's all we ever watch." <laughs> <laughs> and that actually reminds me of the next uh, thing that I want to ask you, like going further with that. That is. I have four nephews, as I mentioned to you before, between the ages of 18 and 6. And then the oldest one, even, I don't know, like when he was like a kid, was when Minecraft came into the market. Minecraft, for people that don't know, and I don't know how, you probably are not interacting with any person that has a computer and it's like younger than 16, (laughs) but it's, um, I guess, the most... Yeah, successful video game in the world and it's sure. still um, the graphics are as I mean the main graphics as they come out of the box say they are this very blocky like squares and polygons that are yeah, very sure. rough and that's the most you have I don't know like unchartered 
whatever number four, fifteen, something like this. Great video games that are so realistic, and then kids gravitate towards this deceptively simplistic like uh, graphics, and yeah. then they're creating their own like their own skins, their own like uh, like textures and all those kinds of things. And you can actually make Minecraft worlds very realistic, but at the same time, they actually tend to go into that. 8-bit aesthetic of like Doom or early 90s videos. Oh, yeah. the, how, how do you feel about uh, about that kind of stuff as a CGI artist? Yeah, I don't really have an opinion. I mean, it's like, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, I don't really create video games. Of course. But uh, yeah, my, I know my son loves Minecraft. He uh -huh. doesn't like have it at home or anything, but he, go, he, play, he loves playing it over at his cousin's place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because they are a bit... Younger, right? They so are. Yeah. They're not there. They For want sure. to play, but it's like they have to control <laughs> yeah. a little bit of uh, yeah, computer time. And it was just funny because that's sort of like, um, in a way, I always like the beautiful games like Prince of Persia and those kinds of uh, games that... Yeah, uh, I don't think there's like any right and wrong when it comes of to course. anything. I yeah. mean, like there's like, I've seen some really like super, you know, simplistic artwork out there that's just beautiful. Of sure. course. Yeah, and the, the thing, I mentioned the Minecraft because I think like the next generation of people that will be working in 3D spaces, they're basically being trained right now, right, when the, in the Minecraft sure. and those oh, things. Yeah, that's, that's why that's, that's where I was, uh, I was going with it because you came from like a more like drawing and like more like, let's say, traditional arts backgrounds. But I see a lot of like kids that are creating these amazing worlds in uh, in, uh, in the 3D space, especially with uh, Minecraft, that's why I, I yeah. mentioned. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, it's awesome that they have access to that kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and even like with the virtual reality things, I think like Microsoft was doing this goggles or some sort of like lenses that you could be inside the Minecraft world being, because it's fairly, I guess, easy to, to render compared to oh, other stuff, right? So, For sure. uh, yeah, it's a, it's interesting. So what's next for you in terms of like um, like commercial projects or even like personal projects? What stuff are you? You mentioned the cyborg woman. So what kind of work are you are you working on? Yeah, well, I unfortunately can't uh, really talk about the, the work that I'm working on. Of course. Currently, yeah. But, <laughs> uh -huh. but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I've just been doing like, you know, a little bit of everything. I do, uh, you know, a lot of cars. And last year I, I built... Uh, a whale out of some like a vineyard oh wow. <laughs> right. so it's you know it's like a whole bunch of like little uh you know like a vineyard on top of the whale and you know i, I had uh cg grapevines kind of like streaming down off the whale and oh wow and i had to like build like um a mountaintop trail uh but as like a sailboat mm-hmm yeah, so the sailboat's all kind of like made up of like rock and the breaks in the sails are made up of some like rivers flowing through the mountains oh, and everything. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like always like a little, you know, something different, like as far as the ask goes, which keeps it interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. And then in terms of like personal projects, is there uh, something you, you were working on that you, that you want to share or like... I mean, for personal projects, I've been really trying like something new in the sense that like, 
I, I have a tendency to like kind of like ponder over like the the little details and like you know really spend uh, you know an incredible amount of time on the little things that nobody's ever going to see but myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but, I, I know the feeling. <laughs> and and uh, but I'm just trying something a little bit different because I know like a lot of people view images nowadays on Instagram in such a small format. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of like going to kind of you you know, try to use that to my advantage um, just by trying out a whole bunch of different things and not spending too much time on, on a specific like personal project, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause the more thing, more, you know, creative little explorations you can do, the more you learn, mm-hmm. you know, you spend a couple of days on them and you kick them out and you forget about them and move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So your main uh, place to like showcase these things you are working on is well, it's where I found you, but it's uh, oh, it's on Instagram. Is that the main? Yeah, I mean uh, that's kind of the way that things are going. I mean, I'd, I'd prefer it if like everybody just goes to people's websites, just because mm-hmm. like I do have like I love the little details. Yes, <laughs> do you know what uh-huh. I mean? Yeah, but yeah, the Instagram platform you can't really show it. Yeah, I have the same um, the same feel with uh, like photography. Even like I have this, I posted one day this photograph photograph that I created that was in a panorama, and it has I don't know like ten, twelve people, and they all like important in the scene. There, it's it, it's a plate of like three different photographs. So then, uh, whenever you see in uh, on Instagram, it will be either square or at least vertical. And this is basically a panorama. Now with uh, Instagram, you can do those, like you can like swipe can, and can see, but so, yeah. still, you will not you you will not see the whole uh, the whole picture, right? So it's uh, it's sure. interesting how it, and it even even forces me to oh maybe I will post. A portrait or a post something that doesn't have all that detail because it does not translate to to a small screen right? yeah yeah so yeah. it's interesting how it uh, translates from different like the medium becoming the message right it's sort of like this oh you have to to adapt to the way that people are seeing instead of seeing this like I don't know this giant photograph or drawing or in this even like a printout of one of your images on a like on a gallery setting or at least like a a big print. I guess maybe mm-hmm. sometimes you have like um, if you do outdoor creations that will go into like it would be printed big, but it would still be seen from afar. So maybe people won't be able to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, sometimes like I guess the, the most close up people get is like when I do like a transit shelter. Mm-hmm. Those are some pretty massive posters, and mm-hmm. people are standing right up beside them. So, oh, cool! Yeah, all right. Yeah, and then you can see like yeah. all the work that went <laughs> to sure. it, into it. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, I think like to in, like CGI is uh, literally the the next frontier for for artists in general to create the stuff that before only painters in big cathedrals were doing, right? And now you are creating that those things. In, uh, and then I think the difficulty now is just to how to showcase those, uh, those works, right? A couple more uh, questions for you. So in terms of if a person, like uh, I'm thinking of this as a photographer, right? Like, do you recommend for like people that are into doing collaborations with CGI artists in general, not necessarily like, like, like you, but like, with CGI, do you, do you recommend that people like photographers or other kinds of artists would explore the tools themselves and try to create the objects and try to learn it on their own or as an add-on to their photography? Or do you think it's a better like fit to just try to find people to, to collaborate? Um, how do you feel about that as a, 
as a, as a CGI artist. Most of the time, I think it's like more advantageous for commercial photographers to like go to the motion side of things than learn CG. Right. That's mm-hmm. just the way I feel. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's a better, better way to, uh, you know, use your time. But yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, that, there's, yeah, I don't know. Hard to put myself in somebody yeah. else's shoes. <laughs> no, I, I mean, maybe I can flip the, the 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 question because the way you work, from what I understand, it's like oh, if you need like a photographic element, and then how to deal with the model, how to light it, how to do like certain things. I assume you you would usually, although you have photographic knowledge, uh, like you would basically oh like Matt or whoever you work with regularly, like, oh, can you do this photograph for me so I can use it on my project? So the other way around, I assume you would not necessarily go get like power packs and lights and beauty dishes and do all that kind of stuff. For sure, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, we scratch each other's back from yeah, time yeah. to time uh-huh. with stuff like that, for sure. Yeah, no, I was just wondering, like, if people want to get into this kind of thing, if it's better to get into the... Yeah, like rabbit hole of like trying to figure out all that stuff or at least to to like collaborate with other people. Yeah, it's a good point about rabbit hole is a good analogy. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Every yeah. single like new program that I pick up, I, I always feel like I'm just falling down a rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's like for me, it was a lot of video, right? And it's like to, to go into motion, which is as a photographer, you have an advantage because you you're already used to seeing light and the framing composition, all those things, but it's not the same at all. Like, especially if you're working with strobe light that you can kill the ambient light. You don't have to worry about all those things. And then, um, when you are in the film environment, you have much less options for fixing post, right? Quote unquote later. So like you have to nail some things. I, I feel like the way I feel about motion is sort of like, Oh, you have to, it's like you're shooting JPEGs. If you, you're sort of like going into, you have to Pretty know sure. what you're doing, right? And yeah. uh, and have very close to the final like project, unless you're using those cameras that shoot raw footage from I don't know what those haven't gone into that yet. But uh, yeah, are you working with the motion for uh, for your um, with uh, CGI or is mainly for still photography? Yeah, I yeah. do a bit of motion. I mean, they usually there just like little little spots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I I'm just not somewhat by myself. I I do have like a couple other people that I bring on to like the projects if they they involve more. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, so they would do more of the, let's say, animation, kind of motion kind of a thing while you create the, the objects? Yeah, yeah, or like, you know, work in conjunction with uh, the retouching and the and the animation side of things. And then, you know, maybe my partner will do more of the after effects side of things while I keep working away on the first right. part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's more of a, like whenever you get into that kind of work, it's very much a a group kind of a endeavor, right? For Smart, sure. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have like a little bit of a, a team I can assemble and, uh, and BC too, which is like really helpful because, you know, we can kind of make the time change work for us. Oh, interesting. You know, cause uh, yeah, by the time they wake up, I've already been working for four hours and then they're working for like four hours after I, <laughs> Oh, interesting. Wow. After I quit for the day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's, that's, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So just to finish off one question that is about 
business side of uh, of what you do, right? Of CGI. Yeah. Like, uh, can you tell a little bit for uh, because people maybe they don't uh, know how how it works. So basically, you're like a freelancer that you get jobs from either, as you said, photographers or agencies. So how how does it work for you to market yourself and to to keep like uh, finding work or if you have like recurring clients or like how does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't market myself all that much at all. Mm. It's uh, mostly just like word of mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, I just try to do like the best job possible for people. Sounds simple, mm -hmm. but and I'm just like friendly and like, you know, <laughs> helpful to the people that I'm working with that I think it's like just like a team effort you know what I mean mm -hmm. the person that hires me is on my team because we're in it together right. <laughs> uh -huh. and and you know I think people yeah people just come back to me or they you know they tell they tell their friends mm -hmm. yeah, so, so sort of like word of mouth based sure. on the quality and the experience of the, yeah. the work cool yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Brett, uh, if people want to take a look at uh, your work, where is the best place to go? I know we want to get Yen. Actually, guys, you actually want to go to his website <laughs> and look at images with like, take your time, then just scrolling like. Uh, take all in. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, so. Like where where like where's the best places for people to go find your work and take uh, a look? It's just BradPickard.net. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I have an Instagram. It's Brad Pickard CGI. Mm -hmm. And then uh, people like either place they will find links to either account, and that's where mm -hmm. uh, that people put stuff. Great, cool. Sure. So, Brad, thank you so much for <laughs> first. Thank you so much for the beer because that's very well, very welcome always. And uh, thank you for Brian. being in the podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Cool. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Wanderings podcast. You can find show notes and links at pedrobonato.com slash podcast. If you like the show, I would love if you could share it with your friends or leave a review on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on all social media at Pedro Bonato. I would love to hear from you. You can find my photography work at pedrobonato.com. The music for the Wanderings podcast is provided by the Blue Dot Ensemble, a music and dance group exploring traditions from all over the planet, where I am one of the founders and the lead drummer. You can find us at bluedotensemble.com. So tune in next week for another show. Until then, I urge you to keep following your curiosity, and I'm looking forward to our next Wanderings together. 